Today's scripture reading is John 10, 11 to 18. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. This is the word of the Lord. For the last few weeks, we've been considering the theme, uh, who is Jesus? How does the Gospel of John present Christ? How is Christ presenting himself? And we've seen a variety of themes. Uh, Jesus refers to himself as the bread of life. He's also invited followers to come to me and drink rivers of flowing water. And then last week we looked at the powerful statement where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. A number of these um, statements have been in the context of the festival of booths. And so today we move on uh, and consider two more of the I am statements of Jesus. I am the gate and I am the good shepherd in John chapter 10. So there's a whole lot going on here and we'll look briefly at both of these statements. I am the gate and then also I am the good shepherd. So first of all, we're here in John 10, seven and nine. So again, Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. And then again, verse nine, I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. Interesting that in all of these statements of the I am, the I am is the first person pronoun ego, which is statement of emphasis. It's not normally used in the Greek. In normal conversation, you wouldn't have the ego there. So when the scripture uh, the evangelist used that, when Jesus uses it, he's really drawing attention to himself. I am, ego, I am. And in all of these seven I am statements, here are two, and last week I am the light of the world, we hear that. So Jesus is making a powerful statement saying I am the gate and I am the good shepherd. He wants to emphasize that and draw attention to it. And so we keep that in mind as we carry on. So first of all, I am the gate or it could also be translated, I am the door. So what is going on here? In verse six, John says that this is a figure of speech. So if I just read verse six, it says, Jesus used this figure of speech, that is, I am the gate, with them. But they did not understand what he was saying to them. So I am the gate, I am the good shepherd. Jesus says, John says, this is a figure of speech. And so I am the gate is an image used of a sheep pen, a sheep courtyard, if you like, with one gate. And the shepherd leads the sheep, goes first, doesn't draw, doesn't drive the sheep as we see pictures in the West, but leads. And the sheep 
hear the voice of the shepherd and follow. So the shepherd walks into the courtyard and the sheep follow. That is the image of I am the gate. And then frequently, the shepherd actually would lie down at the front door of the courtyard and would become a human gate. And he does that so that others can't come in and steal the sheep or kill the sheep and so on. So I am the gate is an image that uh, the people of the day understood. So for example, Psalm 118 reads, open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. So when Jesus says, I am the gate, it, it raises images that the people understand. And so I'll, I am the good shepherd, I go in, I go in through the gate, and thieves and bandits cannot come, verses 8 and 10. Those who want to harm the sheep, they are protected by the shepherd. That's the image that Jesus is using when he's saying, I am the gate. So when we look at the benefits of the gate, we see this emphasized in verses 9 and 10, and they're worth uh, rereading. So verse 9 says, I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. So three benefits, we'll see, are noted in verses 9 and 10. The first being salvation. So Jesus says, whoever enters by me will be saved. And so the image here is that of the shepherd. We know the story, has 100 sheep, 99 are safe, but one is lost. And Jesus goes off to find that sheep that is lost, to save it, to bring it back into the fold. So salvation, Jesus says, comes through him. I am the gate, and I offer salvation, first benefit. Secondly, he says in verse 9, that those who come in will experience rich pasture, the end of verse 9, and will come in and go out and find pasture. It speaks of security, nurture, protection, care. A few weeks back, we talked about not living in scarcity, but living in abundance. Not living in fear, but living in trust and confidence in God. And that's what Jesus is saying here. As you enter in through the gate, I am the gate, you will experience rich pasture. Now, what does that mean? The third benefit, life to the full. And we see that in verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I come that they might have life and have it abundantly, that we might have life to the full. Not choosing scarcity, but choosing abundance. <clears throat> Remember that all the feeding miracles of Jesus are about abundance. Now we can hear that. Jesus says you will have salvation. You will have rich pasture. You will have abundance. And you may hear all that and say, yeah, but <clears throat> that doesn't apply to me, man. Because I don't experience that. That's not where I'm at. Jesus may say that, but you don't know my life. Nevertheless, Jesus is offering that. And so I would encourage us to actually take time and reflect on your life. Maybe take a piece of paper, journal about it. Just how are you experiencing the blessings of God? How are you knowing his care? Just take some time and think about that. Don't rush to the, what you don't have, but understand what you do have. Because Jesus is saying that he will offer us salvation, that he will offer us rich pasture, that he will offer us 
uh, abundance and prosperity, not, not in the sense of having lots of money, that's not the point, but of having fullness in terms of your life, of understanding that Jesus is the bread of life, that he is the light of the world, and here he says, I am the gate and I am the good shepherd. So we may close ourselves down and say, hey man, I'm a victim, everybody's out to get me, I'm on my own. And Jesus is saying, yeah, really? If you know me, that's not the case. You're not a victim. I've done this for you. So all of us need to think back and reflect. Maybe journaling is a good spiritual discipline here for us to engage. So I am the gate. Secondly, we look at I am the good shepherd. So this image we know even more. Verse 11 and 14, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, I know my own, and my own know me. So verse 11, verse 14, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Certainly the image of being a shepherd um, was one that the people knew. <clears throat> Leaders of Israel, Moses was first of all a shepherd. Once he leaves Pharaoh's house, he's a shepherd. David, King David, a shepherd. And indeed, even God is portrayed as a shepherd in verse 23 of Psalm 23. I am a shepherd. God is our shepherd. And here we see that Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And kalos can be translated noble or precious or wonderful, beautiful. Isaiah 40 says, he will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother's sheep. The good shepherd, one of the first art pieces we have of the early church is the shepherd carrying a sheep on his shoulder. The good shepherd. The church has always known that. So Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I am the gate and I am the good shepherd for you. Not a false shepherd. Ezekiel chapter 34 goes on and on and talks about the false shepherds of Israel. Jesus says, I am not like that. I am actually caring for you. I am the good shepherd who walks with you, holds your hand is indeed someone who loves you and cares for you. False shepherds feed themselves instead of the sheep. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. Now what happens here, this is the turn, this is the sudden change that we're not expecting at this point. And four times, verse 11, 15, 17, and 18, Jesus does something that the shepherds would not normally do. And that is, he says, he lays down his life for the sheep. Now that was not expected of the shepherd. He might have to fight some animals and so on, but four times the emphasis that he will lay down his life for the sheep, this is a surprise. And he says, Jesus says, voluntarily I do that. Nobody takes my life, I lay it down. I have the ability to put my life down and to take it up. Listen in verse 11 as he says, I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Again in verse 15, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 17, for this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. Jesus lays down his life. This is beyond what is expected of the good shepherd. And Jesus is saying he does that for you and for me. He loves us. He loves us with this agape love, which is sacrificial love. So what is that image presenting? 
I lay down my life for my sheep. I lay it down, I take it back up. Interesting in verses 28 and 29, there's a little play on words in terms of snatching them out of my hand. Listen to it, verse 28. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. Note, no one will snatch them out of my hand. Jesus is saying, no one will snatch my beloved out of my hand. And then in verse 29, it flips and says, what my father has given me is greater than all else and no one can snatch it out of the father's hand. The father and I are one. Jesus says, no one can snatch out of my hand those who know me. And then he says, the Father is the same. No one can snatch those who love the Father, who love me, out of the Father's hand because the Father and I are one. So all of that is a powerful statement. And what I suggest it means is that whatever the obstacles are that keep us from abundant, eternal life, Jesus overcomes them. So whatever you might have is an obstacle. The obstacle might be sin. Could be all the stuff you've done in your life and you just feel like you are a million miles away from God. Jesus overcomes all the obstacles. Could be your selfishness. It could be your own ego. Could could be you playing or me playing the victim role. The world's out to get me. And then finally, it can even be death. We're all going to die. That separates us from God, we can say. And what Jesus is saying here with this image, whatever the obstacles are, whatever you can imagine, Jesus overcomes them through his sacrificial love. That's that's what the I am the good shepherd is saying. Jesus has the ability to lay down his life and to take it up again. Speaks of death. It speaks of resurrection. Christ is risen, we say, at Easter, and then we follow him, the good shepherd, into life and abundance, whatever that is. Jesus does that for you and for me. So I would suggest that if that is really the case, if we believe that, then we have to live with a certain optimism and a positivity and enthusiasm because of what God has done. If if, if we're not, we're, we're not thinking straight. We're thinking that all our life is, is, is right here and now and nothing else matters. Being a Christian, what does that mean? Jesus says, I am the gate, I am the good shepherd. And I do this for you. So we remind ourselves what God has done for us in Christ. That, I suggest, should give our faces a big smile. Get rid of the frowns because of what God has done in Jesus. I am the good shepherd. There's no other way to read that. I lay down my life and I take it up and I do it for you. Four times I lay down my life for you, for me. So I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. So what are the implications of that for you and for me apart from what I've just said? Verses 4 and 14, note what it says. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, note, and the sheep follow them because they know his voice. And I am the good shepherd, I know my own, and my own know me. So the first implication for you and for me is to tune in and to be listening for the voice of Jesus. Jesus says, if you hear my voice, you will follow me. So that means you and I need to attend to his voice, to give ourselves to listening for the voice of Jesus. 
Because we can be distracted, we know that, and be all about everything else, and we're not, we've forgotten about Jesus' voice. But the sheep hear Jesus' voice. The sheep hear the shepherd's voice. What they hear, they follow. It's interesting examples in animals. I saw a picture, a story of, of the cattle um, being taken care of by their shepherds in the area of Kenya. And it's interesting that the farmers dig holes. They dig holes in the desert and they go down deep enough and they, and they find water. And then those, water, those watering holes are not for themselves, they're for actually their cattle. And each shepherd has a different song. And they sing their song. And interesting, the cattle that belong to that shepherd then come to the hole and drink. And then they go away and another shepherd sings his song and those cattle come and drink. Animals know the voice of their master. Sheep do, the cattle do. The question is, do you and I listen to the voice of Jesus and to attend? Hopefully we do. First application is to listen. Hear the voice of Jesus. Secondly, we're invited to be shepherds as Jesus is a shepherd. So we are called to be shepherds ourselves. He is the good shepherd. But as you know, the epistles at various times will talk about uh, believers also shepherding others. So it's the call to be a mentor. It's the call to be a guide. It's the call to care and help others in their Christian walk, to help them carry their burdens. So that's a second piece. So we can ask ourselves, well, how are we doing that? How, how am I shepherding others? If Jesus is my good shepherd, am I passing that on to others? Second implication. And then finally, the third implication is giving hope. The whole, the whole piece. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. It's all about hope. It's all about living with purpose and meaning, trusting in God and Christ for what he has done for us. So can we help others, help our children, help our friends, help those in our faith community to move forward in hope and trust, even in those difficult times. The Lord is my shepherd, Psalm 23. He is with me at every movement, every time. So those implications are there for you and for me as we, as we hear these I am statements, I am the gate and I am the good shepherd. I'm reminded of a statement by Ignatius when he speaks to his monks and he says, I want you to keep uh, three questions in mind. And one is, what have you done for Jesus? Secondly, what are you doing for Jesus? And then thirdly, what will you do in the future for Jesus? What have I done? What am I doing? What will I do? I think those are good questions for all of us. As we hear all of these I am statements, to say yes to him, our big yes, our great yes, instead of the barren no, the great yes. What have I done? What am I doing? What will I do in the future for him? May we hear these words. May they be an encouragement to us as we move into uh, this coming week. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd for you and for me, and I offer you these words. In Jesus' name, amen.